0: Gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get the popcorn ready. It's
1: game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers.
2: The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it.
0: Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Go. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Oh Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogan. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns.
2: This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. A range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and
0: frequently
1: ill-tempered. The
0: Adams, Hogan Johns. And now the hot takes are even coming in from Deshaun Watson.
2: Yeah, even hotter, I'd say, right now. It's the pandemic, everybody.
0: Yeah, it's not slowing down. Welcome in, Hogan Johns, with you. This is episode 331. Really? Yes. Man. I give that about, I'd say there's a 65% chance that's accurate. <laughs> I feel like over time we've had to screwed up, screw up the count.
2: Yes, yes. I yeah. feel like we might actually be off by like 50 right now, but... No. Yeah. You know, those random episodes with
0: Carm, random episodes with J.P., lose count i'm pretty sure i kept the count but definitely not off by 50 we're somewhere up there though It's a lot of episodes it's good uh welcome in you can follow us on twitter at adam hogue h-o-g-e at adam johns j-a-h-n-s and kevin fishbane is with us today at k fishbane the fish man what's up buddy
1: hey boys this is my 73rd hogan john's podcast with you
0: see you would keep count I have you actually definitely. no idea. I have no I was, idea. I was gonna say completely made that number up, but it sounds about no, right. I,
2: I would think it would be a Kevin Fishbane fun fact. It's a spreadsheet.
0: Be. Yeah. Well, but it would have to be a fact then.
1: I I, I can I can fact. I'll look into it. Okay. You do that.
0: Just find uh, the <laughs> just
1: find the highest rated episodes and you'll know those are the ones where I was on.
2: The ego on this guy, I tell you, Adam. <laughs> you know, if I were to sh- show you, Adam, the text message I get from this guy on a daily basis, beyond like, why haven't you retweeted my story yet? What are you doing right now? What you could be possibly doing during this COVID nineteen pandemic that is more important than tweeting my story right now, Adam? Like it's 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 beyond measure the ego he shows in text messages.
0: I can confirm uh, that there were text messages yesterday, and that. The fishman took it so far as to start quoting Michael Jordan. <laughs> he, did, he did. So, I mean, we want to talk about egomaniacs. I mean, it's Michael Jordan, and then right below Kevin Fishbane.
1: Hey, you know, he's it's, it's got the rings. He's got the rings to show for it. So, <laughs> who, who would you, who would your be your your Steve Kerr,
2: Pat Finley, like like on the if beat? You, if you, yes, if if Kevin Fishbane just had to be like, I've had enough. You know, I'm, I'm a hard worker. If you're going to be with me or against me, you know. And just, well, you let's, know, let's set up aside. Fist and-
1: <laughs> let's make it very clear. On the Bears beat, I am for sure the Judd Bushler. Uh, maybe amongst this trio, based on our text messages the other night, I played the MJ card. But you're the I, exceptional I, volleyball player then. Yeah, you know, I, I'm exactly. I'm I'm just the, the nice, friendly, role-player white guy. What? Are you, what?
0: <laughs> I, give yourself more credit than that. I'd i give, give Fishbame like a full Ron Harper role.
1: Ooh, I'll take that. I Who's mean Dennis Rodman.
0: Uh, um,
1: Larry Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, because Dennis Rodman got in. You know, he he got into it with management. It's got to find someone that the front oh, office yeah, loves. That's right.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Mark Potash.
0: No, Potz more like. Bill Wennington. <laughs> uh, we got off track date. fast there, guys. <laughs> no, but it's fun. It's the last dance. It's pretty much all that matters right now in sports, uh, besides Friday night tweets from Deshaun Watson. We're not going to spend too much time on that, but we are going to address it. And then we got some uh, listener questions and hopefully some answers from the three of us for you. Um, and then I need to pay off a long-standing... Marvel, my binge-watching of the Marvel movies has come to a conclusion. It finally came
2: through. Okay, okay. I'm ready for this. And
0: and, uh, I have some beef. I have beef to get off my chest. And it's not necessarily at the movies or specifically the last movie. Um, So we'll just leave that as a tease right now. We'll get to it later. I think people think I'm going to come at Endgame hard. It's a little bit different than that, but uh, we'll get to that later. All right, so this tweet on Friday night, uh, you know, it, it, it cannot just be a calm Friday night for us on this Bears beat. Can it be? I mean, it, it was the first Friday in a long time I think we did not get a press release of some sort. And then uh, Deshaun Watson swooped in and
1: had to stir, stir up everything. Well, I should point out here, Hogue, that Johns was having a very relaxing Friday night until I (laughs) I texted him the Deshaun Watson tweet.
0: I was.
2: I was. I was annoyed. I just wanted to be off Twitter. I just wanted a break from the, the good old tweet machine. And here's Kevin sending me tweet after tweet after tweet, or just one tweet, but a bunch of messages with it.
0: Yeah. Um... Well, I'm guessing that if you're listening to this now, you did not miss it, Uh, but Deshaun Watson responding to a thread that, uh, you know, in some respects is a fair conversation about essentially stereotypes and how quarterbacks can be uh, scouted. Uh, But he responded with that by saying, the Bears never once talked to me, which may or may not be true, but... uh, in the context of the tweet, it was also a pretty uh, uh, bold charge against the Chicago Bears too. So it was, it set off a firestorm. What was your guys's reaction?
2: Well, one, my initial reaction was they did talk to him. I'm not even going to source my own reporting. Forget that. Dan Weeder of the Chicago Tribune and Patrick Finley from the Sun Times both reported during the pre-draft process. That or, or Pat Finley reported uh, during the pre-draft process that the Bears... Oh, where where's our friend Patrick Finley? Here he is, George, that uh, Deshaun Watson was interviewed by the Bears at the Combine. And then Dan Weeder and Rich Campbell's story is the one of why the Bears did not draft... Or why the Bears drafted Mr. Trubisky. You know what I'm talking about. The, the big story by the Chicago yep. Tribune. In that story, it's reported that he talked to the Bears at the... The combine as well. So I already knew that. We At least we, we all thought that was fact, and I imagine it's with Deshaun Watson or somebody affiliated with him telling those reporters that he actually had those conversations. And there was the Rich Eisen show, remember that, where Deshaun Watson himself said on air that he had spoken to the Bears over the phone.
0: Right. Which this is where the conversation's just kind of dumb because <laughs> like at this point it really should be like who cares um the other thing that Thank was in that tribu- yeah the other thing that was in that tribune story that I, that I think is is completely fair in the conversation um outside of this just Deshaun Watson tweet is that the Bears took Mitch Trubisky and uh, Patrick Mahomes out for dinner and had private workouts with them and did not do that with Deshaun Watson. So if you're you know, still an angry Bears fan that can't understand why, how the Bears didn't give Deshaun Watson the same opportunity they gave, uh, they gave the other two, then that's fine. But um, for Watson to come out with his tweet that certainly seems like it's not even accurate, and in the context he did, it seemed a little unfair.
1: You know, I think you guys make a good point that I would imagine, when in his mind, when he said that, you know, talking to the bears probably meant an official visit, an official interview, some kind of sit down. Um, and it would, the context of it was responding to the Colin Coward. It was Colin Coward, no, Doug Gottlieb. Um, tweet. I think it started Doug with Doug Gottlieb. Yes, John Feinstein. It, yeah, it started and with John Doug- Feinstein those tweets are another story for, or another conversation for another day. But I, my thing with it is like, I, I understand that um, like national media and, and football fans and Twitter loves to pile on Ryan Pace for this. I mean, we have seen it. We talked about it last year leading into the Bears chiefs game. We're probably going to talk about it again, leading to Bears Texans, just checking in on, on where Mitch Trubisky and Deshaun Watson are. My question is, is and, and maybe our listeners will answer this like they did a couple of weeks ago when I, when we called them out. Is 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 there something like people want? Is there something Bears fans like want from this? You know, or they just want to be angry about it. Like, I, I to me, you know, he said it, and you know, whatever his context is, it is what it is. But like, it, as you guys said, it's not news. Like the Bears made the wrong quarterback evaluation. Like everybody knows that. And here we are, and they still went twelve and four a couple of years ago and won the division, even though they made the wrong quarterback evaluation. So I'm just, I'm, I'm just the people who are so upset about it. My question would be kind of, okay, well, what, what do you, what do you guys want?
2: I, I think there's some sense of, you know, like the, that whole what if, like what if they had that steak dinner with Deshaun Watson down on Clemson's campus, and that was the moment they felt wooed by his charisma, everything he he is as a person, everything he brings to the table in an intangible sense. Like, they they want, like, since the Bears didn't have that, since they limited themselves, you know, I I feel like they want answers to, to why... They limited themselves in that, and which is completely fair. But if if you follow the history of this, the Bears had zeroed in on Mitch Trubisky. They had zeroed in on. Their number two was Patrick Mahomes. If you're talking about the quarterbacks, it was Trubisky one, Mahomes two. Those were the guys that got the the thorough evaluations. And let, let's be honest, like there was a lot of questions already answered about the Deshaun Watson. Like there there had to be more homework into the the people, into the quarterback off the field that Patrick Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky were. They didn't have the impressive body of work, right? They, they didn't have, you know, the national championship and the win over Alabama. You had to figure these guys out emotionally. You got to figure them out from an intangible sense. Like, you already saw all that stuff from the Deshaun Watson in, in a way, so you had to spend a little bit more extra time with the other guys. And I'm not trying to rationalize this, guys, but, like, a lot of teams passed up on Deshaun Watson. They had changes at quarterback after the 2017 season. Am I wrong in saying that? Like, 49ers, the the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, the New York Jets, you know, the, the Chargers, you know, the Carolina Panthers, the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, like, he was the 12th overall pick, and, and the Texans had to trade up to get him. And they had questions about him. I mean, like, I, I think with... What what gets left out of the Watson conversation and continuously left out of the con- uh, the conversation are some of the the injury concerns that were pretty widespread amongst some teams. You know, maybe "widespread" is the the wrong word to use there, but like teams were concerned about his durability and like his 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 makeup, his his physical makeup, going into the NFL, um, like going from college to the NFL.
0: Yeah, I think. What annoys, what continues to annoy me, and it kind of is a combination of what both of you just said together, there's this rush nationally to pile on. But it's not just pile on pace. Like, to stoke up the fire again. And it baits the Bears fans into it every single time. So when you have something like Friday night happen, and it's not even exactly fair. I mean, first of all, um, the racial context... And then, but beyond that, like factually, it's might, might not even be correct. And now you have this huge firestorm going on where, like, oh my God, the Bears! Like a lot of people thought it was news. A lot of people were hearing that for the first time, or that that idea for the first time, and they're like, oh man, here's another dumb thing for, about this that the Bears, you know, screwed up, and it, it wasn't even really factual. So that that's one problem. But then, as that happens, the goalposts continue to move. And too many people are looking at this through a 2020 prism, knowing what they know now, instead of like what you just brought up, Johns, what this was like in 2017. And everything you just said about Deshaun Watson was true. Um, There was also a big issue with his turnovers. His interception rate in 2016 was more than double Mitch Trubisky's. And you have to remember, the Bears were coming out of the Jay Cutler era. And Ryan Pace was determined to fix what had been wrong at the quarterback spot with Jay Cutler for a really, really long time, who, by the way, wasn't that bad of a quarterback. He just had faults, and the Bears were looking to improve on that. And part of that was protecting the football. So, again, we're not trying to excuse what ended up happening. They missed. They missed on the pick. No one's arguing that. But too many people now have like revisionist history and are trying to change what the conversation actually was three years ago. And, I mean, I'm still getting it on Twitter today. Like there's just like some things that just aren't true. Like someone throwing the sunball at me last night. The Sun Bowl statistically looks like an awful game for Mitch. Watch the tape. It wasn't that bad of a game. You can understand why Ryan Pace said the things he said, but people don't watch the tape. They just look at the stats. So that's just one example.
1: I think too, when you, uh, I'll, I'll spin it forward and like, here's the only reason this could be current events or looking ahead is If whatever happens in the 2020 season puts the Bears in position in 2021 where they have to draft a quarterback in the first round or in the second, like they need to spend draft resources on a quarterback, then we can have a conversation about, okay, let's look at this front office's track record, uh, you know, and in this scenario that I'm painting, obviously doesn't include Mr. Trubisky on the, on the roster anymore, which is why they would have to make this move. And maybe Nick Foles isn't who they were hoping he'd be. So if we get to that point and you want to dredge back up, you know, the fact that, that, what happened with deshaun watson you know how they and the decision to take mr Trubisky and the decision to maybe not be as you know into the deshaun watson comp- conversation as you would like to have seen years later then you can have that talk but otherwise there's no like current spin to this like ryan pace is general manager the bears have a 2020 season ahead like nothing's going to change there for a while
2: i think part of this conversation is like it's like i think Deshaun Watson is viewed as like he was such a no-brainer decision. He he was a decorated quarterback. He has all the intangibles that you seem to want. Like guys gravitate gravitate towards him. You you have a coach his head coach is is calling him Michael Jordan. Like the, the compliments were, were through the roof.
0: He had the but highest his, floor. That's fair. He yeah, had the highest yeah, floor. Yeah.
2: Yes. But his his evaluation was more complicated. Than that, that that's the reason why he was drafted at number twelve. He was not a runaway first overall pick. Do you, like, do you think if the Browns knew or the 49ers you know, knew that Deshaun Watson was going to be Deshaun Watson, they wouldn't have taken him? You know, with those first or second overall picks? You know, of course they would have ran to the podium and drafted him if they knew knew what they knew now about Deshaun Watson. But there was more information in the process. It's why he was drafted 12th overall. And let me just recommend this story, if anybody still wants to, to debate this, is that Dan Pompey did a great story on former Texans general manager Rick Smith, who is now out of the league. And in this story, it details about how he sort of went rogue in his selection of Deshaun Watson. You know, e- even rogue against Bill O'Brien, who's now everything and anything – with the Houston Texans, right, in terms of making the selection for Deshaun Watson. So even in the team that selected Deshaun Watson, there were split opinions on Deshaun Watson. So I suggest you check it out. The headline is, My Heart is Open, Former Texans GM Rick Smith's Grief Has Reshaped His Life. But in that is some great Deshaun Watson draft detail that you must check out if you want to be part of this conversation, in my opinion.
0: And you should be subscribed to The Athletic. And if you're not, that's how you can get that story, uh, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. All right, I do want to get some questions in here uh, and give the fish man a chance to answer some, too, before he's got to run. So we'll start with Miles Morales at Jake the Dog 93 on Twitter. And the question is, have you completely given up on Trubisky? I try to be as objective as possible and understand that last season was not at all good for Mitch. But to me, the Nick Foles trade still seems more like an insurance policy rather than a brand new QB1. Kevin, I'll let you go first.
1: No, I I haven't given up on him, um, and I, I think there's an interesting debate to be had over the future of Mitch Trubisky and what it says about Ryan Pace, depending on like where he's playing and what his career looks like after this season. But you know it's it's a good it's a good question because I think the three of us talked about it all year last year. The offensive line didn't play well. The tight ends were horrible. There was one good player on offense, and that was Allen Robinson. You know, a couple of the offensive linemen were fine, but everything that could have gone wrong around the quarterback went wrong. And you'd love to see him lift up his teammates, and he didn't. And he he did not have a good season either. But I just would love to see, you know, like, you know, we, we might never see it here. You know, the Nick Foles thing is it's very clear what the what is wanted, but it'd be nice to see if there's ever going to be a situation as clean enough for Mitch Trubisky to do what they expected him to do in 2019. If all those things are working, you would love to have a quarterback that doesn't need everything to be perfect for him to succeed. But, you know, look, guys, we've all seen the guy make enough plays to know that there's something there. It's just a question of, you know, would he ever put it all together?
2: I'm not giving up on him. I don't think the Bears truly are either. I still, I still think the team views him as the, the best case scenario. Like If he finally takes that next step, what that means for the organization is, is really invaluable. That means this Deshaun Watson-Match Mahomes conversation can go away for a little bit. It, it just means more to, to the team to have a young quarterback in place. Now there are serious doubts about that. That's why you have this insurance policy, to use Miles' words, in Nick Foles. But I, I still view him m- as more of an insurance policy. Like, I'm trying to think of what, like, I, what, what good phrase I could use here. Like, they've invested. Like, he's a different type of, he's not an insurance policy, but a different type of investment, right? Uh, they, they got three years, 21000000 million, 24 million. They, they've invested in Nick Foles, whereas the investment sort of ends in Mr. Trubisky this year.
0: Look, I I think what they did was they looked at their options and they said, how do we fairly give Mitchell Trubisky one more chance to prove himself in a legitimate competition and a fair chance where he can still prove himself, but at the same time, if that doesn't work out and he doesn't show that, how do we find a quarterback that the head coach can trust and throw in there with experience of playing and not just being a backup like Chase Daniel who can come in for a week or two and maybe win, you know, go one and one, but actually carry you the rest of the season. They found the one guy that could do that. Like that type of situation essentially doesn't exist in football really. And the Bears found the one guy with a proven track record of doing that in Nick Foles. And that's why they had to pay them a little pay him more than you normally would a backup. But it's not even that much more. Like his cap hit isn't that bad. And by the way, Mitch is still costing you more money in 2020. So, to answer the question, I don't think they've given up on him. I think this is a legitimate competition, and I don't know what you got. Have you guys realized this with the schedule? But to me, the schedule that came out last week actually works in my opinion in Mitch's favor. Increases the chances that he's going to start week 1. Because they play pretty poor pass defenses the first three weeks, and especially the Lions in week one. That's a team he pretty much owns to this point. Has played really, really well against, including at Ford Field last year. So it gives, to me, it gives him an opportunity to prove himself in the first quarter of the season instead of having to make the decision before the season even starts.
1: That's one of the things we in that December run, right, when you looked at the defenses that were in the bottom half of the league, DVOA versus the defenses that were in the bottom, you know, top half, it was a completely different quarterback. So yeah, that is something to know. I mean, the, the guy dices up bad defenses and does it pretty well. Uh he just hasn't been consistent. Uh and on that note, it's always a pleasure, gentlemen, and everyone should go check out my story on the Athletic uh, catching up with former Bears linebacker Roosevelt Colvin. No.
0: Ouch. No, you should. You should do that. It's a great story. All right, Kevin, I know you got to run. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Thanks, guys. All right, there he is, at KFishbane. Follow him on Twitter. Read that story on The Athletic. Make sure you're subscribing. We appreciate you doing that. So, um, we you know, this tends to happen. We talk a lot about the quarterback position, Johnsy, but... Um, oh, there's more at questions. Le- <laughs> at least this is... Yeah, but at least this is the current situation between... Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. Let me just quick follow up on this. You and I seem, and Kevin too. It sounds like we're all on the same page with this. Like that, they they are giving Trubisky a legit, legitimate chance here to prove himself. Yeah, um, yeah, but but, I st- but, but, it's but still an the, uphill battle. But what it seems like the majority of people, I agree, it's an uphill battle. I, I I think there's a very good chance Nick Foles plays football and starts for the Bears at some point this season. Um, why do you think so many people? Think, though, that this is just Nick Foles coming in. Like, they brought him in, and he's going to be the starter no matter what.
2: Well, well, it's the money. It's the three-year commitment. It's giving up the fourth-round comp pick in order to get him. It's the history he has with Nagy, Laser, and DeFlippo. You know, something Trubisky doesn't have. He just has, you know, Nagy, you know, and, and Dave Ragone, who has moved to the side a little bit to be your passing game coordinator. So there's all sorts of reasons for, for the Bears' to move on, but I don't feel like they they just can't yet. And fair or not, you know, whether that makes you angry or not, they want to give him one more look in a sense to prove them wrong now, right? Like prove us that we don't need Nick Foles. Like prove to us that this investment is just going to eat away at our salary cap for the next three years and you're going to be our guy. They almost want that to happen, but they have their doubts that it actually will happen.
0: By the way, even if he is doesn't play Nick Foles in twenty twenty, I mean, it's like a nine million dollar cap hit next year and each of the next two years. It's not horrible for a quarterback. You know what I mean? It's especially. Um, I don't know. It's 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 not that bad. I guess is my point. Yeah, compared yes. to it's- I mean. Chase Daniel was five was costing you five million dollars a year. So right, to have right, right. A, a even better insurance plan behind whoever's playing, I think you can live with that. Yeah, Danny, Andy Dalton, Danny Dalton, Andy
2: Dalton got a pretty good deal from the Cowboys. I know not all of it is is fully guaranteed, but backup quarterbacks get paid, man. They do. There, there's value in having them. Maybe it could become you know another trade situation or, or trade bait down the line, but. You know, I want to say it's a dream scenario for Trubisky, but there is still some remnants of hope that something can come out of him, you know, with this new situation. No fifth-year option, you know, a a full-on competition, an open competition, to use their words. That would be such a dream for the Bears to see him step up and respond to this. And we're going to have to wait to see it. We don't know when they're going to be on the field together.
0: That's right. All right, let's keep it moving here. Um... This was actually not a uh, question, but just a shout-out. I'm happy to do it. Uh, this is from Marlon at K0Z9 on Twitter. Hello, Mr. Hogue. I'm Marlon. I'm part of the crew on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt, and I was wondering if you could give us a shout-out on your next podcast. If so, that would be great, and I can tell all my fellow sailors that uh, let them know that we are being thought of back home. You are absolutely being thought of back home, and um, we're happy to give you a shout-out here on the Hogan Johns Podcast, and thank you for your service.
2: Absolutely. I know I've shared this on the podcast before, but my grandfather served in the Navy during World War II, so I if there's a bias for one of the armed services, that that is definitely one of them, but, but thank you for your service, and, and thank everyone. Who is out there, you know, serving our country? You know, you are greatly appreciated.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, all the best to Marlin and all of those serving our country right now, especially uh, d- during this time. Um, all right. How about we move ahead to Frank Grizzly at Grizzly Gridiron? Interesting question here. Which Bears GM do you think had the better first-round pick selections, and why? Phil Emery, Shea McClellan, Kyle Long, Kyle Fuller. Ryan Pace, Kevin White, Leonard Floyd, Mitchell Trubisky, Roquan Smith.
2: I think you should add or we should include Cleo Mack as part of this conversation, but I'm going to try to exclude him a little bit because he cost, what, two first-round picks, and he was a veteran, he was proven, yada, yada, yada. Just in terms of looking at this list, I'm going to say Phil Emery. I think the the production out of Kyle Long, pro bowler, the production out of Kyle Fuller, a guy who was re-signed by Ryan Pace, who was all pro and a pro bowler, I think it's there. You can't say the same about the other guys, except Trubisky's alternate nod a couple years ago.
0: It's, it, it's tough uh, because you could also argue, though, that Kyle Fuller didn't take off until he... Had the coaches that were hired under Ryan Pace, true, true. You know he was well on his way to kind of looking like a bust until the coaching changes were made. Vic Fangio came in, Um, and even then it was year two. But you know you give Ed Donatel a lot of credit for that too. So I, um, I definitely think Kyle Fuller to me kind of crosses over to both of them because I think the development actually happened under Pace. Um, actually I would argue. Kyle Long got paid by by
2: Ryan Pace as well. But Shea McClellan, my guy Shea, actually became a better player under John Fox and Vic Fangio than he ever was for the previous regime run by Phil Emery. So there's crossover yeah. there as well. Don't leave my guy Shea short-sighted here, my man.
0: Mm, I'm going to leave him short-sighted. <laughs> Shea was a bad pick. <laughs> Kevin White was a bad pick.
2: Overall, uh, Leonard- though... Well, yeah, Leonard Floyd wasn't a bad pick. I don't think he was a bad pick. You I, bad I pick? still
0: think uh, no, Leonard, no, uh, but not a great pick. He's not on the team anymore, you know? Right,
2: yeah. So but he just started it, for four years.
0: Solid, solid player. Um, not great player, solid. To, to me, though, there, I still believe there's a chance Roquan Smith ends up being the best of any of these players. Yeah. I, I, I'm yes. still really high on Roquan Smith. Here's so,
2: another thing, too. Can I add this to the conversation as well? Like sure.
0: beyond the first round?
2: Like Ryan Pace runs away with us. Just just so we're clear. Like oh, if we're yeah. talking about like drafting on beyond those, you know, a couple picks, like guys like like the mid round guys drafted by Phil Emery, like the Brandon Hardens, the Evan Rodriguez's, Will Sutton, the Green's, Will Sutton's, like Jordan Mills became a starter, but Brock Vereen, Kareem Carey. Will Sutton, you mentioned like the, the the, the starters and the value that Ryan Pace got out of his mid rounds is significantly better. Even the second round picks significantly right. better than what Phil Emery did.
0: Phil had Pat O'Donnell and um, Charles Leno late, late, but uh, pretty much everyone else was Brock Vereen? <laughs> the list goes on and on. All right, uh, let's see here. Mr. Conrad at Daryl Conrad on Twitter. The Bears identified the O line as an issue. Anyone with two eyes did as well, but then they did very little to address it. Is this going to be an issue, or does Juan Castillo have the magic O line pixie dust? They have told us he does. <laughs>
2: I-, I could just Bear. see him. a lot of s- lot of sarcasm s- in that. sprinkling stuff on them. You know, once they get to camp, you know, um, yeah. I, I just think the the offensive line conversation needs to be held within the context of they really couldn't do much unless you're gonna, just going to throw money you know you know away because you're contractually bound to to three of them significantly for 2020 in Leno Massey and Whitehair and you you invested a second round pick in James Daniels so you're really only talking about one place and that was the right guard and I know. Look, Larry Warford's out there. looks like he's going to get a bigger deal than some of these other guys that have signed this late, but I don't know who was available in the draft or I don't think anyone was available in the draft who could step in right there uh, and win that starting spot. And I don't know like, how much money you were willing to spend on a right guard and free agency when that market for those players was really out of the Bears budget.
0: Look, um, I've said this before, you just can't. And I'm, I'm a guy who's been pounding the table saying the O line needed to be addressed too. But you, the reality is, you just can't address every single position with either big money or an early round draft pick. There's just not enough of those to go around. So, you know, th- if they had taken, um, you know, an offensive lineman I- instead of Jalen Johnson. In the second round, we would be we begin the same question about the cornerback spot right now, right? You know, there's just you can't address every single spot. There's going to be a weakness somewhere. Um, I agree, though. I mean, like I'm sitting here and I'm wondering, how is the running game really going to be better? But I do know they think Juan Castillo can come in. They think they think the guys that were on the line last year are better than how they performed, and they think that Juan Castillo with a different attitude to uh, maybe get a little bit more aggression out of them, I think, and and get them playing more physical, which has been a criticism of that offensive line, not being physical enough at the point of attack. So, I, I know Juan is part of it. I think they also believe that their changes in philosophy uh, with the coaching staff within the running game, that there's, there's going to be scheme changes too, some tweaks that get more out of David Montgomery. They're putting a lot on the coaches here, Johns, but the coaches are a big part of this too, and so it's hard to sit here and say there's concrete evidence that it's all going to come together. Especially when you have an off season where they're doing everything over Zoom right now, instead of actually, you know, in- being able to install this stuff in OTAs in a couple weeks. But hey, we'll see. We'll we we can't really say it's not going to work until we see it.
2: It's a good segue into our next question. You want me to read it? Go for it. Okay, this is from Jason Cino, Sino Sino. Forgive my uh, mispronunciation there. which position groups, especially considering rookies, do you think suffers the most from not having traditional practices in OTAs, especially right now with the COVID-19 pandemic? you go
0: Well, let me quickly just say that i I, I think one obvious one that isn't a huge problem, and it's rare that you're in this situation, but you have a quarterback competition where both guys should be pretty comfortable. A lot of times you have quarterback competitions with guys that are learning stuff for the first time. So that's a good thing for the Bears. Um, let's see. I think suffers the
2: most. See, I'd actually say the offensive line, as much as they struggled last year, you always value continuity. And sometimes, you know what, maybe it is overrated. But bringing back four out of five starters when you can't practice and you can't get guys comfortable next to each other, it's okay for the Bears. Again, not ideal because there's serious questions about who what they did last year. But just in terms of a continuity, consistency standpoint, like the, the Bears, that's, that's a positive, I would say, for the offensive line.
0: I do wonder, though, like if you're Juan Castillo and you're trying to get these guys playing more physical, man, you need practices to do that. To, to to install that Good mindset point. really so maybe and maybe they get it I mean maybe there's training camp by August um, and they can do all that but th- that that's one question mark I'd have right now I'd say the wide receivers too I, I think like Anthony Miller um, now he's obviously hurt right now but assuming he would be out there by training camp like th- that's a guy that still needs to be a little bit more dependable and about route running and knowing what's going on and and Doing the right things, um, Mooney. That's coming in the the fifth round pick from Tulane. Like he, he seems to have route running ability, but you know it's a big jump to go from Tulane to the NFL. Practice time matters. Um, you know, even depth guys that are competing like Riley Ridley, Javon Wims. Like th- that that's a position that I think um, could suffer. And then even another draft pick, uh, Travis Gibson. You know, he's basically making a position change from where he played at Tulsa on the line to becoming a 3-4 outside linebacker. That's tough to do over Zoom.
2: To me, it was a couple of things. Like, when I thought about this this question, it was what type of chemistry could be developed that isn't being developed right now between Jimmy Graham and Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles? Like, he's going to be—Jimmy Graham's going to be an important part of this offense— and they're not throwing the ball to him right now. Maybe they could organize something because we have seen video of Allen Robinson working out with Mr. Trubisky early, Some photos on Instagram. Maybe he could get involved in that, um, but it's not the same as having the on-the-field coaching as well that you usually get at, at, at this time of year, or soon will be. And the other one it was like if I am thinking specifically of, of rookies, you mentioned the receivers. I want to see what these receivers can do against Jalen Johnson. Second, the the mm-hmm. second second round pick number fifty, like he he's a guy who's going to be expected to start right away, day one, week one. I want Allen Robinson to put him through the ringer. I want Anthony Miller to use some of that Memphis grind and get it, get in his face a little bit. I want him tested. If I'm the Bears, you need this rookie to feel out the, these wide receivers at the pro level, and he's not getting that experience right now. Um, again, maybe something can be arranged. Maybe these guys are healthy. Maybe they can get together and have small workouts, but it's still not the same as the practices they would have if they were at Hallis Hall on the field.
0: All right, one more football question, then a fun one. Uh, Oren German, or German, I don't know, at, at on Twitter. Uh, Hello from ever sunny Israel. God, I love our international listeners. Other than quarterback, what positions do you think there is a real competition for a starting job? Obviously, right guard, right. That's that's one that seems to be open right now. Yes, uh, I think the number whoever's the third wide receiver, definitely. Yes, we're talking about yes. Ted Gain competing. Um, you know, with
2: Riley Ridley, yeah, Cordell Patterson. Just, just I know Matt Nagy will try different ways to get these guys in the field, but I feel like the competition here is is for snaps. Like I, I would say the The cornerback spot between Jalen Johnson and Kevin Tolliver. I, I feel like they're going to want Kevin Tolliver to really push the rookie. Uh, I, I'm interested to see if Deion Bush could push Tashawn Gibson, Tashawn Gibson, a little bit of strong safety there next to, to Eddie Jackson. But just in terms of, like, if I had to rank him, it's the right guard spot between Rashad Coward and Jermaine Afedi. Did I say his name right?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yes. I think so. Jermaine Effetti, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will sneak in the part two of this question, too. After a down year, how can Nagy make Tariq Cohen a substantial weapon on offense again? Look, I always go back to the playoff game against the Eagles on this one. The second the Bears lost their tight end, Tariq Cohen was taken out of the game by Malcolm Jenkins. He... No one was hurt more by the lack of tight end production than Tariq Cohen, and that existed all last year because the Bears got no tight end production. So... If they, you know, whether Jimmy Graham goes off this season or not, if he can at least command attention and Cole Komet becomes a weapon too in the passing game, that will help Tariq Cohen get more looks open where he can have more space around him and use his speed to, to make big chunk plays.
2: Yeah, Matt Nagy calls him an adjuster, but that first adjuster in his offense starts with the tight ends. Tariq Cohen comes after that. So I know there's concerns over his production. I know there's concerns about his longtime place on this team because he didn't get the contract extension that A. Jackson got, but there's still there's still belief that he could be a considerable or maybe even a significant threat for opposing defenses.
0: All right, we'll end on a fun one. Matthew Tolly at the Big MT underscore zero 06 on Twitter, Johns. What is the best TV show or movie that you have watched during the quarantine? I'll go first
2: because I know you got a rant coming. (laughs) I've watched (laughs) three. I know it's coming. You've forewarned us. I have three shows that I have started or three shows I started watching during the quarantine. Uh, The Wire, which I finished. Downton Abbey with my wife, which we are in season four. I think season four, season five. So still have some time to go through that. And then I'm on to season two on Ozark on Netflix, so I could not stop watching The Wire. Like I, I would I mean, find myself—that's myself I myself mean, forcing myself to go to bed. You? How many seasons is The Wire? Five. It's only five. But I'm not and watching Down. I, I haven't watched Down Abbey in like like two weeks, but it's been
0: started. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you're on Ozark. The answer to the question on my end, the best TV show by far, Ozark season three was outstanding. And I think it's so rare for shows to get better in season three. I think The Wire is an example. I, In fact, I haven't even really seen The Wire, but which I should. But I've always heard that season three is like really good after a down season, season three. Two.
2: Season three and four are fantastic. Season five, yeah. if you're a newspaper man like me, you're wondering what the heck is going on at the Baltimore Sun. But it's another story.
0: <laughs> but I think... I guess my point is I think when shows... Great, the greatest shows of all time usually are managing to come back up in season three or are still peaking in season three. Whereas, too many shows, like I'll even give an example of another show, Netflix show that I love, and that's Bloodline. But by the time you got to season three and it was over, you're like, yeah, it was about time for it to be over. You know, even as, as much as I love that show, Ozark, outstanding season three. So that's my answer to that side. Um, I haven't watched a ton of movies. Let me give a quick shout out, though, to The Hunt. I don't know if people have heard of it. It's uh, I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago, actually. But it's got like, some political undertones behind it. It's a very kind of bizarre movie, but I, I enjoyed The Hunt. So check that out. Uh, and, but I guess my answer to the movie, and this may be surprise people considering they know what's coming, I think Avengers Endgame is the best movie I've seen since the quarantine Whoa. began.
2: Whoa. I thought you were going to rip this movie.
0: I know. I know you did. Uh, I thought the movie was great. I have a very strict... Everything
2: I prepared is just now meaningless, but but please continue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a very strict rule about movies being over two hours. I do not like it, and I liked... One of my favorite things about all the MCU movies is that they're almost always right around two hours. So shout out to that. So for this one to go three hours and have my attention and me still think it was good, to me, I think means it's that's significant. Um, here's where my rant's coming, Johns. You know that I've been using this AMC list, right? To the order to watch the movies. We've talked about this. I want to even say one of our listeners is the one that suggested this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because there's a... Oh, yes.
2: the, the, The Marvel order that... Yes. Makes sense. Yes. Okay.
0: Right. So it's not based on the way the... Movies came out, but there's a. It's on. I can tweet out the link again. We've we've tweeted it a couple times. There's it's a. It's like basically a column that we would write, except it's about movies. Um, and it lists the order that you should watch it based on like the storytelling involved in all the movies because they're all intertwined and a lot of times they're connected by what happens in the post credit scene. So this list has been great, and there's like a blurb on each movie. And they don't have any spoilers in it. Like it just explains. Here's why you should be watching this now. And I've I have it bookmarked on my phone because I literally go back to it every time. Every time I'm ready to watch the next movie, here's which one I need to watch, and here's why. Great, awesome. So I watched Infinity War the other night, and I did what I always do. I go to the next one. I knew it was Endgame, but I just wanted to read you know the next blurb. Read it, and then my eyes happen to drift to the next one which is the new Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. The last one that's on this entire list. So 23 movies are on here. There's never once been a spoiler alert. There's no reason why there'd be any harm for me reading ahead. And sure enough, for some reason, Johns, in the blurb on Spider-Man Far From Home is the biggest freaking spoiler you could have in the entire thing, essentially ruining Endgame for me before I watched it. <laughs>
2: So this is where I, your rant comes in. I, well,
0: it's not, even a, it's not even a rant. It's just I'm really upset about it. I'm still upset about it. What are you doing? And th- I'm, I'm not going to bring it up what the spoiler is, obviously, because if you haven't seen Endgame, I don't want to you know do the same thing to you. But if you have been using that AMC list, or if I tweet it again and you want to use it to watch the movies, whatever you do, do not read the Spider-Man Far From Home blurb at the end because and those have seen endgame you know what the spoiler is i'm talking about the big one at the end the whole time i'm watching this movie that i enjoyed i knew what was coming and it ruined it it was awful and you know what i'm talking about right yes yes yes
2: wait but did you still enjoy endgame
0: I did I, your, did, I did, okay, okay. I enjoyed the movie, but you understand, like, I've invested months into this, <laughs> months into this like, There's series. a nice
2: gut punch at the end.
0: And I get to the end, like, here's the finish line, and it's, it's like, it honestly felt like running a marathon and tripping and falling and breaking my leg in the final 10 feet before the finish line. That's what it felt like
2: i like to see a video of that, but um, it's... <laughs> there are videos of people actually tripping before the finish lines, yeah. but well, I'm trying to ask for your review of Endgame, knowing that you got gut punch going into this. Yeah. Trip, you know, someone, you know, you got Nancy Kerrigan before hitting the you know, the finish line, but like... Oh, I don't know. Oh, I okay. liked it, because liked I thought you enjoyed, I it? enjoyed I it?
0: Thought it. I thought it did an amazing job of bringing finality to the Avengers as a whole, that whole storyline, but also addressing the big origin story, individual origin stories too, and and bringing good conclusions to those as well. Um, and I know like a lot of people, the, their criticism, and I received, when I tweeted this out the other day, people thought I was going to blast Endgame, and I was surprised at how many people were, I didn't want to respond to them to blow what I was going to bring up, but a lot of people didn't like Endgame, and they thought it jumped around too much and thought it was too long. I thought it was good.
2: My one complaint for Endgame is I wanted a little bit more battle scene. Like, this this is the finale. Let's have some more intriguing one-on-one matchups or something like that. I, I wanted Hulk to be more of a Hulk. Like I feel like a lot of Hulk fans were... We're disappointed that now he was like this brainiac Hulk instead of the monster Hulk who got beat up by Thanos before. Uh, I am way overanalyzing this, but that would be my one complaint. Like, just give me 15 more minutes of action. I know you had all the emotional stuff to get through, and I appreciate all that, actually. You know, just in terms of, like, the writing and how every movie's kind of intertwined, it's exceptional. I have to say, as a writer, the, the way they intertwined all their stories was extraordinary, but the the kid in me, the old comic book fan, uh, the old eight year old Adam who used to play, you know, with the Spider Man figurines, he wanted a little bit more action at the end.
0: It did kind of end abruptly, I guess I would say. Um, the one thing that bothered me, I'm really good with suspension of disbelief, and I was willing to do that throughout the whole series because every one of the individual movies, you're like, why can't the Avengers just show up and end this, right? Um, they addressed, like, the whole problems with time travel and then, like, completely ignored it. Am I right? Isn't that a thing that happened? Uh, I didn't think of that through thoroughly. Um,
2: they do take a few shots of Back to the Future. I remember that.
0: Yeah, that was funny. I do like the cultural references, and the music got really good towards the end, too. Thor Ragnarok had some great music.
2: Great movie. It's one of my favorites. I think that's actually my favorite Marvel movie in terms of pure entertainment.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, that scene at the beginning where he's with the Led Zeppelin going on. Oh, my God. That was great. That was outstanding. So, all right. Well, that concludes the uh, MCU binge watching. I finally Wait, got have it you, done. Have you watched Far From Home? Uh, you know what? I tried to last night. It's, uh, for some reason, the one movie that's not on Disney+, Plus, not on Netflix. Apparently, it's on Stars. you can't even rent it like on Amazon Prime right now you have to buy it so I don't know why that is but apparently I can sign up for a free trial of Stars, which I actually think I might have anyway Um, anyway I gotta just figure out how to watch it but I'm going to did you like it?
2: I did it's one of my favorites yeah it's top five which you watched you
0: watched that on the way to London when you were dying yeah (laughs) if I remember (laughs) right
2: so I made sure to watch it on the way back home from London when I was no longer (laughs) dying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, good episode here. I, I always enjoy answering your questions. Um, and I, I thought there were good questions today. So uh, sorry we had to keep going back to the Sean Watson Trubisky stuff, but apparently that's never going to end. It is what it is. Just take a deep breath, everybody.
2: That's I, what I would say.
0: It's hard right now.
2: I know. I know. I
0: know. Stay strong, people, man. It- it's been hard I'm starting to lose it I don't yeah. know about you Yeah Quarantine I feel
2: like teaching. be I feel like be well and be patient <laughs> it Is another term we should use Especially for us in the Chicago area Getting stir crazy here my friend Did you get to see the Blue Angels today? I did I did um, Not too closely But we did see See them fly by uh, When they went through the Harwood Heights area
0: Man, it didn't come up by Vernon Hills. But hey, shout out to the Navy. Blue Angels are Navy. Yes, yes. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Could talk some Marvel movies on there, too, if you want to respond to uh, what we just talked about. That's fine. Read us. I am at NBCSportsChicago.com. You know where Johns is. The Athletic where you're listening to this podcast. Subscribe, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. We appreciate you doing that. Talk to you soon. See ya.
1: Buy me some peanuts and cracker chat.